It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Hey, and a shout out to our podcast people joining us as well. In the month of August, we had uh, we were downloaded in 23 countries around the world. So let's give a shout out to our podcast people. Great to have you here from various corners of the globe. Corners of the globe. That doesn't actually make sense. Hey, as a church, we just last week finished 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we, we did that very intentionally, uh, taking the opportunity to really seek God for uh, helping us be more effective in reaching people. And uh, already we're starting to see some first-time guests rolling in in our Elevate groups and on a Sunday. So exciting. Plenty more opportunities ahead, of course. Intentionally... We're launching a series today called Lead Like Jesus. This idea that we start our journey or or reboot or kick our journey up a level in reaching people by prayer. That's gotta be the starting point. Praying, God, change our hearts. Make your priority our priority. Give us opportunities. Help us see those opportunities. Uh, Prepare people's hearts, the people in our sphere's hearts and so we can actually be... uh, influential in them. And so today we're launching a series that very much plays the next part of this idea of us growing in our influence, okay? And who better to learn about growing in influence from than Jesus, hence the series titled Lead Like Jesus. We unintentionally ripped this title off from a book that was written launched about 15 or so years ago uh, by Ken Blanchard and Phil Hodges. Ken Blanchard in particular is like a management leadership uh, guru uh, for the last 30 plus years, written a ton of uh, best-selling books around the subject. And this one, as the title suggests, Lead Like Jesus. I wanna highlight, and some of you might need to um, put your readers on to catch this, the, the, the byline of this book, and essentially it's the byline of the series, Lessons for Everyone from the Greatest Leadership Role Model of All Time. And that word everyone is critical to understand because too many people have a narrow uh, view of who qualifies as a leader. That we think that leadership is, is, is reserved for the select few people that kind of sit high up on the org chart. You know, the, the managing director or the business owner or the school principal, or the church leader. And, and we think that if we're not in those positions of leadership, then leadership isn't something for us. And yet Blanchard and Hodges make this point that actually everyone has the opportunity to be a leader within the spheres that God's placed them. And this is underscored by what I think is actually the best definition of leadership that I've ever come across. There's tons of definitions. You could start to, uh, you know, do your Google search leadership is and it'll auto fill in the search query. The best definition that I've ever come across is very simply leadership is influence. 
And if we understand that leadership is influence and not necessarily position, although people with positions of leadership ought to continue to grow and develop their leadership and, and not just kind of sit lazily around this positional idea of leadership. But if we understand that leadership is influence, then this actually helps explain why it's for everyone. Why leadership is for dads, for moms, for grandparents, for colleagues, for fellow classmates. That in every sphere that God's placed us in, we can grow our influence. And my conviction is that followers of Jesus should be the most effective leaders on the planet because we have access to what Blanchard and Hodges call the greatest leadership role model of all time, which is a pretty bold statement. I mean, you're walking down the, the aisles of the bookshop or you're on Amazon, whatever, and you see this, these authors say that Jesus is the greatest leadership role model of all time. It's like, whoa, bold claim. But let me, let me run this one uh, by you. Let's, let's jump in the Wayback Machine and let's travel back 2,000 years and arrive in around the Jerusalem area. Jerusalem area was uh, occupied by the Roman Empire. And I say to you, hey, uh, okay, so we've got this uh, Caesar of Rome uh, and they changed from time to time. There was Nero and then there was Herod and Julius. You maybe heard of him. Okay, different times. And, and we know about them and they are the rulers of the known empire, rulers of the Roman empire, the greatest, most powerful empire that's ever existed. And we're now right smack at the height of the powers of that empire. And I say to you, all right, uh, I've heard about this guy. Uh, he's the son of a carpenter. Uh, he was born in this town. I won't even tell you what the town is because you've never heard of it. It's so insignificant. He doesn't have a title. He's never written a book. Uh, doesn't work for the government or anything. Um, his name is Jesus or something. Anyway, uh, okay. Uh, let's 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 have a bet. Open up your betting app and uh, and let me ask you: uh, Who do you think in two thousand years time? is gonna have the most influence? Is it gonna be the current Caesar of the Roman Empire? Or in 2000 years, is who's gonna have the most lasting influence? Is it gonna be this son of a carpenter from uh, Nazareth or something? And I think most people would have bet on the Roman guy, the Roman Empire. Now, look, we've got a lot to be grateful for when it comes to the lasting legacy of the Roman Empire. I mean, espresso coffee, uh, pizza, but. Okay, those things weren't invented in the Roman Empire time. Um, but here, here, think about this. Right now, across our entire globe, everyone understands it's the year 2021. No one's arguing that. Now, it's now called, uh, well, it was used to be BC and AD because you're like 2021, 2021 years after what? What are we actually counting up from? What, what happened at zero? Well, Jesus got born at zero and everyone since has marked, oh, gee, all right, very impressive. The two most globally, and they're not celebrated everywhere, I understand that, but the two most globally celebrated annual events are Christmas and Easter. 
People are more likely to name, particularly in Western cultures, name their kids after followers of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, best name ever. Uh, Peter, Mary, Sarah. You don't name your kids Herod and Nero. You're Rottweiler maybe, but not your kids. So what I wanna do over the next few weeks is really just unpack leadership as it was taught and modeled by Jesus. And today I wanna start with what I think is the starting point. And I've called today's message, it starts with the heart. And really I'm teeing off something that Solomon wrote. Solomon, one of the wisest people that ever lived, he wrote quite a bit of uh, the old part of the Bible, including a book of wise sayings called Proverbs. And he wrote this, one of the things he wrote in that wise, book of wise sayings is this, keep vigilant watch over your heart because that's where life starts. That's where life starts. That's where leadership starts. It starts with your motive. It starts with your heart. It starts with your why. Why would I want to, what's my, what would be my motivation for wanting to increase my influence. Now, if you go to a leadership course, maybe buy a leadership book, jump into a leadership webinar, more often than not, they actually tee off with the what and the how. What do leaders do and how do they do it? And those matter. I mean, the skills of leadership actually matter. The mechanics, the what and the how However, they have to be built on our motive. They have to be built on our why. And I would contend that if our why is off, too often our what and our how is also gonna be off. So let's look at the why. I mentioned Ken Blanchard writing this book, Lead Like Jesus. Another uh, leadership guru is a guy named Patrick Lencioni, which by the way, he pronounces his surname wrong. Uh, he has distilled uh, leadership motivations into two broad categories, which he describes as responsibilities-based leadership or rewards-based leadership. And these two he characterizes them as responsibilities-based leadership. You recognize it's your responsibility to serve and care for the people you lead as contrasted with rewards-based leadership, which is you wanna be rewarded by the, that should say by, uh, I have to have a word with our media team, by the perks and power of leading. And here's a spoiler. Jesus taught and modeled the first one. And our big contention today is that if you bend down to serve, God will lift you up to lead. So let me show you how Jesus taught and modeled that. If you've got your Bible app or your Bible, you can open that to Matthew chapter 20. I'm gonna drop us into the message. And before I do that, let me drop you, let me give you some context. This is kind of how things were going there. When Jesus entered his public uh, ministry, age 30, he handpicked 12 guys and over the next three and a half years, he, he taught and modeled for them about how he wanted them to live and to lead. Uh, and it's fair to say that not all of them were picking up what he was putting down. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna drop us into a slice of history where Jesus and the boys 
were making their way towards Jerusalem. And uh, he had repeatedly communicated to them that, hey, fellas, when I get there, I'm gonna be arrested. I'm gonna be killed. Uh, so just, just, just a heads up. And they, they refused to believe that. They, they couldn't wrap their heads around that because they were following him because they were convinced he was gonna become the king of the Jews. And in fact, on this particular journey, as they were making their way to Jerusalem, they thought he was going there for his coronation ceremony. Not listening to him and believing that he was actually going for his crucifixion. So very different perspectives, very different understandings. So it's about that time that the mother of the Zebedee brothers, that's James and John, came with her two sons and knelt before Jesus with a request. Well, what do you want, uh, Jesus asked. Well, she said, uh, can you give me your word that these two sons of mine will be awarded the highest places of honor in your kingdom? One at your right hand, one at your left hand? And Jesus responded, uh, you have no idea what you're asking. And he said to James and John, are you capable of drinking the cup I'm about to drink? And they said, sure, why not? I mean, you're gonna be the king. You'll take a drink. You'll have had somebody test it before, make sure it's not poisonous. And then when you put it down, I'll just kind of lean across and take a sip myself and say, it's pretty good. So they're like, yeah, sure, I can do that. <clears throat> they didn't know Jesus was saying, can you, are you willing to lay your life down for the people that God's called you to lead in the way that I'm about to literally lay my life down for them. Now, when the 10 others heard this, they lost their tempers, thoroughly disgusted with the two brothers. You know, it's like James and John were trying to get in first. I'd like to be the deputy prime minister and uh, you can be the uh, chief uh, minister of finances and all the rest of you can have the lesser cabinet positions. And by the way, of course they're indignant. James and John brought their mum to ask. <laughs> so Jesus calls a timeout. And he said, fellas, you've observed how godless rulers throw their weight around, how quickly a little power goes to their heads. You know, he's, Jesus is highlighting that right then, in that moment in history, the dominant leadership practice was about command and control. It was about get more power, get more wealth, get more influence. And if necessary, do that at the expense of the people that you're called to lead. Senators did this, governors did this, Caesars did this, and religious leaders of the time did this. And by the way, because it was the dominant uh, approach of the time and Jesus' 12 followers thought that he was gonna be the next king and then he'd probably rule the same way. They might've heard Jesus say this, you've observed how godless rulers throw their weight around, how quickly a little power goes to the heads. They might, have th they might very well have thought, yeah, Jesus, that's exactly what we've signed up for. That's why we're still here. We love a little bit of this. We've seen some of those mansions. We've seen some of that wealth. I mean, heck yeah. And uh, <clears throat> well, Jesus then says, it's not going to be that way with you. Oh, what a wet blanket Jesus is. 
What a killjoy. I mean, what, really? And Jesus did what Jesus always does when he stages an intervention, when he tries to reframe something. He always points to a better way. It might not have been what we expected. It might not would have been what we asked for, but it's always a better way. And so he taught them this. Whoever wants to be great must become a servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your <coughs> slave. This is what the Son of Man has done. He came to serve, not to be served. And then to give away his life in exchange for the many who are held hostage. And this is my contention. It's impossible to lead like Jesus if we won't serve like Jesus. And I think you already know this. I think you already know this because just for a moment, try to bring to your memory somebody who's positively influenced your life in your past. And, and if I were a betting man, I'd be reasonably confident that it wasn't somebody who came into your life to throw their weight around, to get more for themselves at your expense. I, I, I'd be confident that it's almost certainly gonna be somebody that came into your world and they made it very clear that they came to serve you, that they came to help you become a better version of yourself, that they came to lift you up and not put you down. It might have been a parent, and not all parents have this on their job description, I mean, on their uh, resume. It might have been a teacher, it might have been a, a sports coach, a boss, a colleague. And if that's true, and if you've got someone in your mind that, that fits that category, then I would say, hey, let's us become our version of that type of leader, which is exactly what Jesus is calling us to, to be a responsibility-based leader, not a rewards-based leader. So what I wanna do as we finish today, I wanna to actually run some diagnostics so that we can ask the question right now as our jump off point for this series, knowing that some of you already recognize that you're leaders. You might have the position of leadership or not, but even if you don't, you already understand that Jesus has called you to grow your influence. Others of you, this might be breaking news. This might be like, I never thought of myself as the potential of a leader. I don't have the position. I never sought the position. But okay, I'm up for it. I'm up for the journey. I'm up for the opportunity. Great. Let's, let's therefore run some diagnostics. And let me also underline this important uh, distinction. These diagnostics are, are things we need to come back to continually as we go on this journey of increasing our influence to make sure <laughs> that we don't get off track. So let me run some diagnostics to see if you do or could fit into the why of responsibility-based versus rewards-based leadership. Here's one. You're motivated to make other people look good. Whereas a rewards-based leader, their primary goal is to make themselves look good. A responsibility-based leader is about, I'm gonna actually help you understand the greatness God's put in you as opposed to try and convince you about the greatness God's put in me. Here's another one. 
Responsibility-based leaders find their approval in God, whereas rewards-based leaders seek their approval from others. So if you seek your approval from others, then, then you're all about pleasing people. You're all about uh, having them serve you. But if you see that you find your approval in God, then you, you don't, you, insecurity becomes less of an issue for you. That you don't feel threatened when you lift other people up because you know God's actually lifting you up. Here's another one. Ready for this one? Are you all got your big boy and big girl pants on? Responsibility-based leaders relish hard feedback from trusted people. I'm gonna come back to that because that is a very important distinction from trusted people. Whereas rewards-based leaders shun hard feedback. They shun hard feedback because they find their approval in others. And if you come to a rewards-based leader with some areas for improvement, they, they, will, they will be dis dismissive. They will be defensive because they, they don't wanna hear it because it doesn't sound like approval to me. Whereas the responsibility-based leaders, they actually relish hard feedback because they wanna do a better job of leading the people that they're leading. That if I'm a better, that if you give me some feedback, if you give me something that I might not have been aware of, a blind spot, I, and, and I'm a responsibility-based leader, then, then hopefully I'm gonna take that on and think, okay, I, I'm, I'm committed to improving in that area so I can better serve the people God's called me to lead. Having said that, it's from trusted people. Uh, last week, um, I, I got, uh, we, Neil fished it out of the letterbox for us out here, a, um, a USB stick uh, in an envelope. The envelope was addressed to me, Mark Pomery, Elevate Church, and a USB stick inside. No letter, no, no note about who it's from. And I, and I, and I, and I, and I, and I threw it in the bin. And because, yes, of course, I thought it could have been a virus. But also because... If, if I, I let now trusted people, first of all, they'll come to you. <laughs> Secondly, they'll reveal their identity. <laughs> Thirdly, they'll actually build up a platform of trust that when they come to you, you already know that their motive is for you to be better, not to put you down. So that's really healthy. This was demonstrated for me. I, I'll never forget this. It's just so, it was such, uh, it was so inspiring. There was a leadership round table. A group of younger church leaders had been gathered by a veteran church leader. And the veteran church leader, he knew that his best contribution in that particular season, later season of his life and leadership was to invest into the next generation of leaders. And uh, so he, he would gather younger leaders together and do these leadership round tables, all about investing in them for their benefit, not for his. And uh, there was in, in this one particular day, in this one particular setting, this group of young leaders gathered together. And later in the day, the, the veteran who, who was convening this leadership roundtable leant towards one of the younger leaders in front of everybody and said, um, do you mind if I give you some, some feedback? I, I just noticed something that I think is maybe a, a very important area for improvement for you. Picture you're, you're sitting around that table in that moment. You're not the person being called out, but you're there. 
And the younger leader leans back towards the veteran leader and says, yeah, give me a gift. This uh, series, it's been inspired. There's another church that uh, did a very similar series called uh, Christ's Church of the Valley in the greater Phoenix area. And uh, I've used some of their content in the preparation for our series. Um, when they taught this, uh, the leader of that church, Ashley Wooldridge, uh, interviewed um, a lady who doesn't have any real prominence in their church. Her name's Mary Peters. And uh, I thought, rather than me tell you about the interview, I'll show you the interview. So here's Ashley interviewing Mary Peters. Mary, thank you for coming in. Uh, we've known each other for a little while now, but our church does not know who Mary Peters is. So just maybe give us an introduction. Sure. Well, Mary Peters was born and raised right here in the, in the greater Phoenix area. And I've just had been blessed with many opportunities as, as I've gone through my life and my career. So you served as the Secretary of Transportation for the United States government yes. over, the, over all, all transportation in the whole United States. Yes. It's one of the few positions that reports directly to the president. Um, you've led at one of the highest levels. What have you, what have you learned about leadership? I think when, when you go to D.C. and you go into a position like that, by and large, the, the staff that you work with are what they call career employees, or they've, they've been there. And there, there was a thing, if, if you don't work with them, you're not going to get anything done. Mm -hmm. And servant leadership is what really opened the door, I think, with the career employees to be able to get us to work together to accomplish objectives and make sure things happen. And you have to be a servant leader to do that. If you come in with command and control, you're not getting anything done. In, in fact, the staff will call you the weebies, meaning we be here when you be gone. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people assume that when you get into high levels of leadership that you need to be this like commanding, domineering, everybody works for you, so yeah. you're this demanding leader. but. You'd say you've seen the opposite. It's more effective to lead by serving others. It is. Um, man, tell, tell me more about that. I would always say that um, that I was privileged to lead. That, that was a great privilege to lead people. And But one of the things, and, and you've talked about this recently too, is defining true north. Where do we want to go? What do we want to accomplish together? So that you can get everybody on, on the same path, if you will, to get us where we're going. If you, as a leader, don't provide that true north and communicate that through the organization, very well-meaning people will just maybe their maybe their hair off. They're just a measure off. But you, you're going to end up in very different places at the end of the day. Now you can do that with a command and control leadership, but if you do, it's only going to be while they're watching you. Wow. <laughs> That's it's not going to be forever. Mary, talk to me a little bit because you've you've been around so many good leaders. You've probably been around some people in really high leadership levels that were not good le leaders. How does this idea of ego or you you need to serve me? How, how have you seen that backfire on any, on people? And I have seen that. You know, sometimes um, someone gets in a position, even like a governor or a senator or something like that, and they they feel entitled. They they say to themselves, "I worked hard to get here. I've you know I've done all this. I deserve this position, and I'm not going to let anybody get in my way of, of doing things." And those are never successful. They they really are never successful. And they and often these leaders fall with them. They may take others in the organization with them, but they, they fall from grace, even in the political world that, that they have created. 
And command and control leadership just doesn't get the richness that you want from the workforce and from everyone there. So I, I've seen some big people fall who took that kind of position. Yeah. How have you seen, I mean, over, you know, a lot of years of leading, how have you seen your heart sometimes gravitate away from that, you know, being that servant leader? Because it, it, it seems like sometimes that your heart doesn't gravitate towards it. You have to keep reminding yourself that this is who I am. Yes. I'm, I'm a servant, right? I'm a servant. Yes. Like, have you seen your heart? Are you having to realign your heart throughout the years at all? I think one of the things that I've noticed with myself and others as well is, um, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to be a servant leader here at this, you know, at this family or something like that. But when, and when I go to church, but when I go to work, that's another story. That's, wow. that's not who I am. And you have to, what are your Christian values? What do you as a Christian want to emulate and, and really teach other people to be? So you can't, you can't let yourself go away. It's so good what, what you said that I think sometimes we compartmentalize servant leadership. Like I'll, I'll serve on the weekends at church uh -huh. one hour, but then when I go to work, no, I'm, uh, I, I, I'm not a servant here, but Jesus says serving isn't something you do, it's who you are. Yes, it's so important. And you know, families depend on that. And I, I tell people, all of you are a leader in some aspect or another. Mm. And if we, we truly want to adhere to our Christian values and follow Jesus' lead, then we need to do that no matter where we are. Well, Mary, there's not a lot of people that would know this, but um, tell, me, tell me about where you, where you serve around here at CCV. I serve in the two-year-old um, classroom. Wait a second. You've you led at the highest levels of leadership, and yet you're gonna you're gonna serve with with two-year-olds. Maybe one of the hardest areas to serve in in the whole entire church. Tell me about that. Tell me tell me how that came about. It it's I think a lot of things that people say that if you do this, you're gonna make a sacrifice. You're gonna do this or that. No, no. This is such a, a Christian opportunity to really get to know and see these kids and love them and make the parents comfortable when they come and drop that kid off. Heart good. It just yeah. makes your heart feel good that you're you're doing what you need to be doing to help everyone at this church. Yeah, I just want to look you in the eyes, and I just want to say, you inspire me. You, you like make me want to be a better leader because I, I see your leadership and you, you're a leader of leaders and yet you're one of the most servant-hearted people I've ever met in my life and I'm just glad you're a part of our church. I am too. So I, I just hope your story inspires all of us to get off the sidelines and become a servant yes. in every yes. area of our lives. Yeah. Don't play church. Be a Christian. Wow. Well, thank you for for taking some time with us. My privilege, thank you. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.